going to be a two-part series. It was just something that kind of came to me recently, and it's God slash love is. And here's the reason why I say this. There's a passage of scripture. It's in 1 John, if you want to get that ready in your Bibles. 1 John 4.8 is where I'm going to be going. Don't put it up there yet, Josh. You can wait a second. So, what day did we have yesterday? Huh? Yes, the Canines all answered. <laughs> Valentine's Day. Everyone say Valentine's Day. What's Valentine's Day all about? Love. It's all about love. Yes. It's about St. Valentine? Oh, really? And who was he? He was a saint? Yeah. Yes, John. Nice job. <laughs> okay, all right. Hands down, hands down, hands down. Okay. Hey, listen up, listen up, please. Guys, I don't want to be shouting. Hey, listen up, please. Right in the prayer room is Tim, Pastor Tim, sharing all about the spiritual gifts with like 20 people, okay? Please, yes, please be on your best behavior. And please do not make me have to shout. And then they go, wow, he shouts a lot. (laughs) Okay. Yes, Jada, what? Probably not. Okay, no more. So, Valentine's Day was yesterday. Now, we know that this day is all about love, right? But it's often explained that it's all about romantic love, but that's not really what it's about. It's just a day of love. It's a day to celebrate love. And what is love? Well, yeah. I'm more specifically with this series going to be speaking on the biblical understanding of what love looks like, and specifically the character of God. What is love? Well, it describes it in the Bible in a very well-known chapter. And hold on, Jada. You have asked a lot of questions and made a lot of statements. I appreciate your interaction. (laughs) But love isn't defined the way the world defines love. When you look at love and the expression of love and the greatest act of love, what does the world say it is? Engagement? Honestly, I'm just going to be straightforward. They often say that it's sex. Would you guys agree with that? Yes, I said sex at youth group. (laughs) Sex. (laughs) So here, hey, listen up. Listen up. The greatest expression of love that the world says there is is sex, right? They say, well, if you haven't had sex yet, then you really don't love them. That's what they do. That's what they say, right? Okay, listen up. I trust that you guys can be mature about this, okay? Did you guys know that the definition the Bible gives... Quiet. Save your questions for after, okay? Did you guys know that your, your Bible does not define love as that, <laughs> 
In fact, the expression of love and the definition of love that's found in the Bible has absolutely nothing to do with romance. <gasps> what? That doesn't mean that romantic love isn't great and it isn't important and it's not something that we all long for, right? But love is not defined as sex and romantic stuff, okay? The Bible does not say that. In fact, if we go to 1 John 4, 8, John, you want to read this one? I'm going to have it up there. Go ahead, Josh. Put it up there. Read it, John. I've got it on the screen for you. God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, the important words I want to really zero in on with this is the last three words of that verse. Yes, Benji. What? Make them cry and you can, well, my, my, yeah, I was going to say, my kids make each other cry all the time. <laughs> and they aren't being very loving by doing it. All right. I want to really focus on these last three words of this verse. Everyone say, God is love. If God is love, then it would stand to reason that the chapter in the Bible that defines love and says what love is, we would be able to race, replace the word love with the word God, and it would still work. It wouldn't be untrue. It wouldn't be something that's contradictory or false. Okay? So let's do that. We've got 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is a New Living Translation. I'm going to read this one, and then we're all going to read it together after I read it with the word God instead of love and the word he instead of it, okay? So listen to this. This is a very powerful chapter, okay? And it's often used. It's used at weddings. It's used for dating. It's used, I mean, it's oftentimes for romantic love, right? But it doesn't give any explanation of romance in here. And that's important for marriage because marriage isn't just about romance. Yeah. It's not. And a lot of you guys, when you're dating all the time, what is it that you're looking for? You're looking for romance. I'm just going to be honest. You're not ready for it, all right? So here it is. Love is patient and kind. Everyone say kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth, say the truth, wins out. Next one there, Josh. Love never gives up, never loses faith is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Everyone say, every. Every circumstance. So, so let's do this together. I'll do it slow because your, your minds have to think about which words you're replacing, okay? So we're going to read this along, okay? But instead of saying love, say God, okay? And instead of saying it, say 
he, because when it says it is not proud or rude, you would say he is not proud or rude, okay? So let's do that. God is patient and kind. God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. He does not demand his own way. He is not irritable, and he keeps no record of being wronged. Amen for that, right? He does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. God never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Amen. I'm going to pray. God, we thank you that you are love, that you show us what love looks like, and that you empower us to be able to walk in love. God, that you don't leave us as orphans to just try and figure life out on our own, but that you've actually made a way for us, and that you, as a good father does, take care of every need that we have. You love us sweet and tenderly. You, you do not leave us alone, but you take care of us. Lord, we thank you that you are love and that you never give up, that you never lose faith. You always believe the best and hope for the best. You are filled with hope. And I think so many times we, we don't see that about you. We don't hear that about you explained, that you're actually filled with hope. God, we just thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here's the thing. Do you believe that to be true? (laughs) When you look at these passages and you look, love is patient. Do you think God is patient? (laughs) Some of you might be like, man, he's a little too patient. (laughs) I wish he'd get to work already. (laughs) Get moving with something. But God is patient and kind. How many of you are grateful for that? Think about if we had a God that wasn't, we wouldn't be here. If, if God was not patient with us, how long would we last? <laughs> not very long, right? Yes, Benji. Yeah, he would have gotten rid of Noah. Absolutely, 100%. He, he is incredibly patient. And here's the thing. I have heard people actually argue with Noah, well, God is just, He's angry, wrathful, he just hates people, he's impatient. I'm like, are you kidding me? You realize it was like hundreds and hundreds of years from Adam to Noah? (laughs) It wasn't like Adam just had like some kids and then grandkids later and was like, you know what, I'm done with this. These people suck. (laughs) I'm getting rid of them. No, it says that the earth was filled with people and they were only continually evil always. That's a lot of absolutes. That's not even in my notes. You can go check it out yourself. (laughs) But God is patient. He's kind. The world would say otherwise, but that's not what I see when I look in the Bible. I see him as an incredibly patient God. All you have to do is see the whole story of Israel and go, wow, why didn't you just throw them in bondage sooner? (laughs) They just were continually, continually missing the mark. 
messing up over and over and over and over. He was so, so patient with them. And here's the thing. He's patient with you guys. Think of how often you screw up. And that God tolerates it. <laughs> you guys think about that? You think about how when, when you sin and you're like, gosh, I need to go to ask for forgiveness again? <laughs> that he does forgive you. And he's actually patiently waiting for you to come to him because he's more eager to forgive you than you are to ask for it. That's, a, that's incredible. God is so patient. He's so kind. In 2 Peter 3.9, New Living Translation, it says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Everyone look to your neighbor and say, for your sake. He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. Guys, this verse is huge. Have you guys ever heard the world say he's, the God of Christianity is just an angry God? He just wants to rain fire on people. And they bring up stories like Sodom and Gomorrah and Noah. They bring up all these Old Testament stories, and they have no perspective that he waited and waited and talked with the people year after year after year after year, saying, Guys, it, you got to change. <laughs> Listen to me. Follow me. Do as I say, and fire will not be your outcome. He says he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. That's what Peter explains. The Lord does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. That is God's desire. God's desire isn't to throw people in hell. <laughs> and that's what the world wants to say. <laughs> that's not the truth, though. God is incredibly patient. Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? This right here. <laughs> He's patient. He's waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting. Giving everyone an opportunity. Now that's patience, <laughs> Right? Next verse I have for you is Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind. Everyone say, wonderfully kind. Tolerant and patient God is with you. God is so patient. Does this mean nothing to you? This is what Paul's saying. Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? God's kindness is there for us to come to him and ask for forgiveness. That's why it's there. To lead us to his heart. To lead us into his sanctuary, into the throne room. That's what it's there for. God's kindness is meant to bring you to him. Not drive you away from him. And it's not his wrath that comes down on us to try to get us to do what he wants. That's not the truth. He, he wants us on the right path. He wants, he wants us to repent. Every one of us. 
God is so patient. He's so kind. And whenever somebody tries to convince you otherwise, you need to know this. You need to believe this and say, no, God is love. And if he is love and love is kind, therefore he is kind. It's a transitive property, right? <laughs> a plus B equals C. Mm -hmm. A equals C and B equals C. B. They both equal each other, right? That's the way it works. So if anyone's ever trying to convince you that, you know, God's not kind, you're like, no, he is. <laughs> you're like, no, he isn't kind. Look at all this stuff I have to deal with. <laughs> all the horrible things in my life. How could he be kind? Doesn't he see any of this? Well, he does. It breaks his heart. And he is doing something about it. As well as, there are things that come about in our own life that are, unfortunately, because of our own foolishness. And his kindness is there to get us back on the right track. Amen? So God is patient. Everyone say, God is patient. God is kind. Say, God is kind. Here's the next one. God is not jealous. And here's what I have to say about this one. You can pull up this verse there, Josh. God, which says, uh, love is not jealous or boastful, proud, or rude. So, have you guys ever heard in Scripture it says that God is a jealous God? Have you guys ever heard that? Anyone? I want to see, see hands. Who has heard that? Anyone that's not a leader? Nice. <laughs> got a couple of you. Yes. In the Bible, it, there are verses, and even God saying himself, for I am a jealous God. It says that. It says it in the Old Testament more than once. Okay? What could he be jealous about? Now, here's, here's the thing. I'm glad you asked that. I think a better way of translating this specific word is envy. And in fact, most translations I looked up, ESV, NIV, King James, New King James, a lot of translations use the word envy. Love is not envious. And I, I think that's a little bit better understanding because the word jealous is this idea of being concerned about what is yours no longer being yours anymore. Or what is yours not being yours anymore. Somebody took it from you. Now, let me give you an example. In light of Valentine's Day, with marriage, this is, this is probably the best example there is. A husband, if his wife gets caught in an affair, would rightly so be jealous for his wife. Because he's saying, no, 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 no. She's mine, and I'm hers. We made a covenant with each other. We belong to each other. There should be nobody else inside of this. <laughs> this is between us. And that's the depiction that we have with God, is this picture of a marriage between us and Christ. It's devotion, complete devotion to each other. There's nobody else that gets in the way. So this is the idea that it's painting. So when, when you see in Scripture, it says, well, God is a jealous God. It's this idea of, we belong to him. He created us. We are his. 
And he's jealous for us that he would get us back, which is why he sent his son to die for it, right? Envy is the picture of coveting something, desiring something that is not yours, wanting to have what you never had. Take the wife from the husband. It would be the man trying to take the wife from the husband and say, I want her. I don't care if you have her. I want to have her. She's mine. That's envy. And this is what love is not. Love is not envious. So God is not envious. Now, this would stand to reason to make sense, right? Because God literally has, like, everything, right? So what would he have that he would want that he doesn't have, (laughs) right? But it's to give a picture and an idea of don't be taking what doesn't belong to you. Don't be having what isn't yours. God is not jealous. Envy is what the vast majority of translations use for this. Now here's the next part. It says, God is not boastful, proud, or rude. Love is not boastful, proud, or rude. Everyone say, love ain't rude. (laughs) I see how you guys treat people sometimes. (laughs) I see how you talk to people sometimes. Even your own relationships. I've heard how you guys talk about your mama, too. (laughs) But really, God, here's the way God deals with us. He is never rude. He's never proud. He's never boastful. He's never forceful. Like I read earlier, his kindness leads us to repentance. He doesn't rip into us when we fail, (laughs) right? Now, if you think he does, I'm telling you now, that's not God. That is a different spirit talking to you. It is something else trying to convince you that God is not somebody worth following. And it's not true. God is not rude. How many of you are grateful for that? To see the truth of this part, boastful, proud, or rude, just read one of the Gospels. And see the way that Jesus carried himself. The way that he walked. I think they do a pretty good job of it in The Chosen, which John brought up. Of a personification, a a live renditioning of Christ on the earth. And what it would look like. And I think they do a pretty good job of showing him as somebody who's not boastful, not proud, not arrogant, not rude. Have you guys met people that are like, man, I'm awesome. Do you think that they're very loving people? No. I mean, unless you include them loving themselves, I guess. But (laughs) Yeah, they're annoying. (laughs) I got a passage of scripture for boastful, proud, or rude. Philippians 2, 6 through 8, and this is in the NIV. It says, talking about Jesus... This is Paul describing, he says, do what Christ did. Copy his character. Be humble like he was humble. And this is what he says to follow. He says, Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
Do you guys ever feel powerless? As teenagers, you're like, man, nobody ever listens to me. I can't do anything. I can't get anything done. Nobody wants to do what I say. You guys ever feel that way? I think you guys are prime examples for if you had power, it would get to your head. You guys like Spider-Man? I love Spider-Man so much. He's my favorite superhero. And here's the thing. If you've, seen, if you've seen some of the movies, you can see when he's under the mask, when he's got all the power, he gets a little cocky, right? <laughs> he gets a little arrogant, starts messing with people. Because he's like, I've got some power, and I can do something with it. <laughs> and I, I just, I think it's a perfect example of what would happen if a teenager got superpowers. <laughs> but Paul is saying that Jesus came to the earth. He was God. He had all his attributes, all of his ability. He could do whatever. He had an army of angels at his disposal to do anything he ever wanted. Never used them. That's power. (laughs) Right? So pull up there again, Josh. He didn't count it to be something to be grasped, is what it says. Used to his own advantage. He didn't do that. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Guys, this is what it looks like to not be boastful, arrogant, proud or rude to take the complete place of humility he he never had to do what he did he could have just said you know what forget it i'm gonna hurl a meteor at the earth and just get rid of them and start all over (laughs) or maybe i'll just go to a different planet and start a humanity there (laughs) guys he's god he could literally do whatever right he could make a whole new civilization if he wanted to But he never did. Instead, he chose to do the humbling thing and say, you know what? I love them. I want them. I want to have them. I'm not just going to throw them away. This is the best example to show what humility is and show how God is humble. God, that's something that just blows my mind as I was studying about this. The fact that God is humble. He's literally the highest being in existence. (laughs) And to position himself all the way down to the bottom is amazing. We see stories about people of great power and wealth using it to help people that are less fortunate. And that's amazing. But imagine if you literally had everything and chose to get rid of it all. That's incredible humility. God is not boastful, proud, or rude. Here's the next one. God is not irritable. Some translations say easily angered. He's slow to anger. Have you guys ever heard that God is slow to anger? It's all throughout Scripture, especially in the Psalms. 
shows up a lot in the Old Testament. And I think it's something that they understood because they experienced it as a people a lot. There were plenty of times where God was able to be quickly angered, but he didn't. He didn't get angered quickly. His anger built up over time with the nation of Israel. And he said, you know what? Enough is enough. I have to do something. I cannot hold it back anymore. I cannot hold my hand back of bringing punishment for what you guys deserve. The nation of Israel was able to see firsthand how slow to anger God was. And how many of you are grateful that he is slow to anger? I like this word irritable. The way that it says it in this translation, I just think is really interesting. The word irritable, it's this idea of like easily annoyed. And how many of you knowing, do you know you have flaws? Maybe. You know you fail sometimes, right? Do you get annoyed with yourself, with your own failures? And you're like, gosh, why did I do that again? Man, I thought I was past this. <laughs> God doesn't do that with us. His love for you, it, it, it doesn't even happen. <laughs> He's not like, man, why do they just keep forgetting to do that? <laughs> I thought they loved me. No, he uses kindness to bring correction to us, but he is not irritable. It's not like a easily annoyed thing. You guys ever get easily annoyed with somebody? And here's the question. Here's the question. Is it somebody you're supposed to love? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. God is not irritable, keeps no record of wrong. This is big. <laughs> you guys think about God this way. He doesn't keep a record of wrong against you. He's not holding this list, and he's just all the sins you've ever committed, and he just keeps putting a tally mark next to the ones you do every single time you do it. He's not doing that. I got some scripture here for you with this. Psalm 145, 8 and 9. says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Say, The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Here it is. Slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. Everyone say all. Did you guys know what the Hebrew word for all means? It means all. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> the Lord is good to all. If anyone ever says, God's not good to me, you should be like, no, no, no. He is. <laughs> What's good? That's another question for another time. <laughs> he has compassion on all he has made. Does anyone fall outside of that? Any person in existence happen to land outside of that being made by God? No. That's everybody. It's easy to get irritated by people sometimes, right? Which I think shows 
just all the more how incredible God is. I'm getting irritated right now. <laughs> this coughing. You need some water? Oh, there is. Oh, they showed you. Yes, Jonathan. What's your answer? Satan? Is he irritated with him? I think he might be annoyed with him from time to time. I think he's he's annoyed with evil. <laughs> and unfortunately, he's decided to be evil in personification, in physical form. <laughs> and that's his choice, right? So, not irritable. Keeps no record of wrong. Guys, we can trust that he forgives us. We can trust that he forgives us when we come to him. Because it says in his word that he does. We can trust that when we screw up, when we mess up, to actually feel love means you need to go to love. You need to go to God. To have him wash over your sins and forgive them and feel the forgiveness. The devil wants you to be convinced that you're just going to feel shame. And so he keeps you from coming to him, but that's not the truth. God wants to bring forgiveness to you and have you be impacted by it. We can trust that he forgives us and keeps no record of wrong because Jesus never did when he was on the earth. You read the Gospels, you don't see him going around keeping a record of all these wrongs people did. He never did that with the disciples. <laughs> There's times that he'd be like, how long do I have to be with you guys before you get this? <laughs> he said that a couple of times. <laughs> but he wasn't saying, Peter, how many times are you just going to stick your foot in your mouth? <laughs> he didn't say that, right? No, he was filled with incredible love and passion, compassion for all of these people. And in fact, as the people, this is the story that blows my mind. There's a lot of them, but this one is one of my favorites. The story of the feeding of 5,000. Jesus needs a break. He's trying to get away to have a break and his disciples to get some rest. So they get on a boat and he's like, let's go over there to the other side of the lake where it's a desolate place. There's not really anybody around. We can get a break, okay? My cousin just died, John the Baptist, and I need some rest. And you guys do too. So they go over there. And like 5,000 people see them leave. And they just flood <laughs> all the way over to the other side, walking around the lake. And I don't know for myself, I would be irritated. <laughs> I would look at all those people and go, guys, just give me a break already. Leave me alone. <laughs> Can't you just let me rest? I am a person. But he didn't do that. It says that he looked at the crowds and he was filled with compassion. He was filled with tremendous love for these people. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He looks out at this multitude of people and he says, I'll love them. He's not easily angry. He isn't like constantly these people following him and just going, leave me alone already. He never does that. You see the life that Jesus lived, and you can see if that's the way Jesus was, 
And if he is God, and he said, I only ever say and do what I see the Father say and do, then that means that's what God does. That's who God is, right? God is not irritable and keeps no record of wrongs. Amen for that, right? Hebrews 10.17 says, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And the writer of Hebrews is quoting Jeremiah, which is Old Testament. And guess what? The book of Jeremiah was written to the Israelites when they were screwing up really, really, really bad. (laughs) I mean, one of the kings burned one of his sons on an altar to a pagan god in the temple that was for God. (laughs) That's messed up, right? (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) And this is what God tells Jeremiah to say. Their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. I'm going to forgive them. As far as the east is from the west, that's where I'm sending their sins, their transgressions, their wrongs against me. Now here's the last part. I'm going to close. God never gives up. He never loses faith. He is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. If you guys are wanting to wonder how you're going to get through whatever situation you're in, whatever circumstance you're facing, do it with God. You don't have to worry about it. He endures through every circumstance. That's the truth of it. Do it with him and you're going to be fine. This is why you can put your confidence in God, is this part right here. Guys, he never gives up. You guys ever heard the song Reckless Love? The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Chases me down, fights till I'm found, right? This is what that is. This is the picture of it. He never gives up. His love for you never fails. Because he is love. And if love never fails, then he doesn't. And his love for you never will. You can stand on that. You can rest on that truth to be true. It is true. You can put your confidence in God because he never gives up. He's never going to stop pursuing you. You guys ever had friends that gave up on you? It's never going to happen with him. You can know whenever you screw up, whenever you fail, he's going to forgive you. You go to him, and he'll be there every time. The open arms, saying, I'm patient. (laughs) I was waiting. (laughs) I was waiting for this moment. He endures through every circumstance. He remains faithful to us. And his word is always faithful to us. His word always is. You never have to worry about a word that he's given you. And if you go read in Hebrews 11, you can see the people that trusted God and had faith in him were never disappointed. He isn't some cynical being watching over us and never seeing us as having potential. This is the amazing thing about God. He never gives up on us. 
I know I would give up on myself way sooner than he does. And if I read, when I read the Bible, the Old Testament, and I see the history of humanity, and especially the nation of Israel, I think, man, God, why didn't you give up on them sooner? He never did. Time after time, he's, he still never gave up on them. There's this friend of mine that I had growing up, and I would get so frustrated with him running, out, running away from God, And I remember this moment I had with God because I, I felt like God was telling me, don't give up on him. I have plans for him. I love him. Don't give up on him because I haven't. And I remember this one time I was just having a shouting match with God. And I'm like, God, why do you want him? <laughs> I don't see any value in him. <laughs> I was so frustrated because he just continually rebelled and rebelled and rebelled. And it seemed like the things he was trying to say were just things to sound extremely offensive to Christians. (laughs) And I just remember myself going, God, why do you want him? It's like I died, and what he told me is, I died for him just like I died for you. (laughs) My love for him isn't any less than my love for you. And you know how much I love you. This is the reality we need to have when it comes to people in our life, and as well as for ourselves. If you don't believe it and see it as true for you, how will you ever see it as true for somebody else? If you don't see God is over, overwhelmingly filled with love for you, never giving up, never holding back his love from you, then you'll never see it as true for others. He believes the best in us. He believes the best in you. Now, he knows what you're capable of, okay? (laughs) He knows that you screw up, which is why he sent Jesus. But he's not just up there going, I'm just waiting for them to screw up so I can just bring the hammer down on them. (laughs) No, it says in Hebrews 12, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run this race that's before us with greatness. And if, if you didn't know, God's up there too. <laughs> He's part of the cloud. <laughs> David in Scripture. David wrestled with this understanding of God seeing the best in people. And you see in Scripture that with David, he says, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you think of him? Why? Why are we the ones you think about? And he's just filled with incredible amazement that God thinks of us continually, and his thoughts about us are endless, filled with love and goodness. And I want you guys to know that that, That is true for you. He thinks about you. Not in a way that you may think about yourself. (laughs) And that's comforting. Amen? Let's stand up. Leaders, you can come on up here. I'm going to pray. I just got two questions for you.
questions I got are, how is this idea of God being love? And if that's the case, then what his character looks like. How does this new outlook on God as love comfort you in your relationship with God? I want you to be honest, if, like, to think about this. If it doesn't really change anything, then be honest about it. But if you're like, man, I, I've never really thought about it this way. Your relationship with God, that God is patient with you. God is kind towards you. He's not boastful and rude. This should be things that comfort us. And the next question, how can this positively impact your relationship with other people? Because the love that God gives us should impact our relationships with people around us, right? So those two questions. I'm going to pray. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you never give up on us. God, that, that should be something that comforts us. Lord, I pray that we would remember and know that you are somebody we should run to. That what we are looking for is found in you. And if we run to you, we will never be disappointed when we get there. Lord, I pray that we would choose choose love. That we would choose you and choose to follow it for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.